0: You are on the journey of business. An entrepreneur and innovator who spent a lifetime of advising from behind the scenes, building businesses through word of mouth and referrals. Now Mike Wolf is ready to share these strategies and business outlook with you. You're here. You're ready for the journey of business. With Mike Wolf.
1: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the journey of business. I am Mike Wolf. Today is going to be an unconventional episode where I sit down with the Yoda, my Yoda, to podcasting, Joel Sharpton. So I'm really excited. He's helped me go through all the different things in the seasons of the first 12 episodes. So this is kind of a recap on that, if that makes sense. And so I want to throw it to Joel, have him introduce himself, talk about what he does, how he's helped me, what a pain I've been to him, because I know I have been, and like just see what that looks like. So, Joel, what's up, man?
0: Oh, Mike, I am so excited to be here. First of all, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, I am, I'm probably the least accomplished of all the business leaders that you've had on so far as far as my own business career journey, but, but I am an expert in the audio world. That's for sure. Yes. Getting to be an expert in the video world too. And you and I saw an opportunity today, you know, a scheduling mishap happened, which is absolutely a problem that podcasters face. And we saw a hole in our schedule and said, Hey man, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can, we can make content not only for your show, but for my show as well. So, um, let me give everybody a little bit about who I am. My name is Joel Sharpton. I'm a podcast producer and consultant, I've been in audio since 2004. I started in small market radio. I was a, a overnight host for like the 12 to 6 show. I'd come in, record my show, and and then go home, listen to it for an hour or two uh, after midnight until I passed out, sleep late in the morning, goof off all day when my, my wife at the time was was in uh, college finishing up her French degree. And then uh, I'd go back to, to work the radio station the next night. I did radio. I, I did all the jobs. I did, I did, you know, production director, which is like managing the advertising load coming in and out doing a lot of voice work myself on those advertisings, advertisements. I was on sports talk radio for a while. I've done play by play for high school football. And I even, you know, I still do a tailgate show like a pregame tailgate show for the uh the home games for Louisiana Tech University which is our local university here. I love radio, man. I love audio. That's where that's why I fell in love with that first. And eventually I realized it's like okay, the way to make more money in radio is to move markets. And I really like to have roots. I love this area. I love I live in North Louisiana and uh I love it here. My mom's close. My dad was close. He passed away last year. My my ex-wife now the the mother of my oldest sons uh, she lives close and you know her family's not not too far away this is a good place for us to be i didn't need to go anywhere so i i leaned into podcasting which i was already doing i started my own show the first in 2012 i i had you know a lot of connections we'd done some podcast conferences and things like that and i thought in the beginning i would do more voice work than editing and that first year the voice work was hard to hustle. You know, the audiobook world is super full, and every time Cumulus or Clear Channel or iHeart yeah. lay off, you know, another thousand people. That's a thousand people competing with me in the audiobook space and the editing space and everything else. So For sure, I leaned into those connections and I, I started my first couple of editing clients, ongoing editing clients, and the again and again and again, it was like people need some handholding. People need some cheerleading. People need some, you know, to open almost like writing blocks, right? Yeah, For like, right. hey, what does this even look like? And what do I? I know I need to do a podcast. I feel like I want, I have things to say, but I don't even know what that looks like. You know, right? What if? What even is a podcast? Which is what I got from a client this past week. I thought that was at, at first. I'm like, wow, what a question. You're already on the phone with me. Like we've had a couple of meetings. Like, but at the same time, if you're not a podcast listener. Right. I mean, you've definitely heard of it by now, right? Serial was a big hit and that, they made a TV show out of it. Even that guy finally yeah. got out of jail. You know, Joe Rogan's huge and you hear about his big deal. You know, there's the, it was the TV show a while back on NBC about podcasters. But in general, I think a lot of people, especially from like your line of work, Mike, if you come from the manufacturing world, you come from industry, you've had your head in a book or the spreadsheets or sales calls. Yeah, And like, maybe you're doing audio, audio books, but like it, I can understand why somebody hasn't stumbled onto a podcast. So sure. what is a podcast even that's like the number one thing that I answer for clients these days. The second thing that I answer is just what happened to you here. Like, how do I fill my schedule? What do I do when a recording falls through? What do I do when a piece of hardware fails? What do I do when a piece of software fails? You know, how do I stay consistent And how do I not something you said in a text message today, Mike, and this is a big thing that I want to talk about. This is what I think has a lot of value for my audience over on always listening. And we're going to run this show on both shows, by the way. So if you're listening to this, I'm going to introduce you to Mike here in a minute. If you're, if you're a fan of mine and you don't know Mike yet, but you mentioned in the text, I wanted this to be a creative outlet, an inspirational outlet, something where I was getting fed as I talked to new leaders, you know, and, and people who are doing it. You wanted this to be fun not a job. Yeah. And I realize you put it so succinctly, but I need to put that in my own branding because that's what I do, or that's what I should do in the best of times is I should keep this fun for business uh, leaders, for entrepreneurs, for CEOs, for corporations, for organizations and associations, whoever I'm working for, I should keep the content production fun so that the job aspect of it, the scheduling, the publishing, the hardware, software questions, that's all just stuff that Joel's taken care of already for me. So right. in the best of times, that's what I try to do. You and I have had some fun setting all of that up. I, yeah. I love that you mentioned that you're, you're my, my, uh, how did you put it?
1: That you're my, I mean like, oh, yeah, it, my the, Yoda. A, a be, because here's what's funny about that. Like when people, you, you edit all my stuff. So like you hear like, the stuff that the audience doesn't hear when I'm like, bro, this is trash, you know, and you're like, no, it sounds good. Or, you know, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where you become hyper aware and almost not, I'm not a self-conscious player, so that doesn't necessarily bother me. But like, normally I just say it and I don't think about it. Now I have to say it and you think about it for me. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you're like,
0: no, no it's, it's a second draft on your brain, right? Man, the, one of the things that I didn't think about in the early going when the first year or two that I was editing, but it sort of like evolved, you just hear it. And you, and, and I realized it that way I've heard other people say it since then. I'm like, well, of course that's the truth. Parenthetical phrases in conversation. We soft pedal so many of the things that we offer. I've got an idea and I don't, you know I want to, I hold it preciously so I don't want to be shunned by you or shot down. So sure. present it like this, you'll say, you know, Mike, when you think about it, I mean from a certain point of view, you could imagine how uh, X or y or Z could happen. Yeah or if you just say Mike, X or y or Z could happen. And yeah. here's how. And you go right into, you see how much more powerful that is. And we do, it's natural, it's human, it's polite. All of those parenthetical phrases are about that. That's like parts of mirroring and like, you know, trying to read each other's uh, expressions and and trying to empathize with our, whoever we're conversing with. But when we're sharing that content to an audience, when we're trying to educate or inform or inspire, man, make it, make it strong, like bull. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, dude, you're you're 100% right. And I mean, you know, the more I think about like the first 12 episodes, you know, you and I kind of talked about this, you know, we talk about a lot of different stuff, obviously. But, you know, the first 12 episodes have been very interesting for me because I had my friends and people that I really wanted on the show and they were on and they were great. And the feedback was incredible. And I remember you saying, hey, listen, you know, if you get 10 or 20 downloads, you'll be in the swing in the first 12 episodes of each episode. And then, I mean, like, I'm starting to look, and it's like, you know, I'm getting 1,200 downloads a week. And now I'm like, wait a second. Like, is that third traffic? Is that – you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense?
0: You, know, you you know, it makes perfect sense. And and everybody always – the two things you, you wonder as a creator is, first of all, is anybody going to listen? And yeah. then you, and there's a part of you, no matter – how realistic or humble you want to be or how small an audience you currently have. There's a part of you as a content creator that thinks, boy, if if I ever get behind the mic and turn this thing on, you know, the networks are going to be knocking down my door. I'm going to be having to turn down offers to appear on CNBC and whatnot. Right. Here's the deal. You, you were very, very confident in the desire for your content, which a lot of creators are not. When you and I first talked, you were like, Hey, people want this. Lots of people have asked me about it people are going to be excited to hear from me. I think it's going to get a lot of traction as soon as we go. Yeah. And I, I, it was not that I didn't believe you or like downplayed that, but I also wanted you to be realistic. My thing is always, if you, if you showed up and did a lunch and learn every Wednesday afternoon or, you know, met at the sizzler every Wednesday night or whatever, and you had 25 or 30 people show up every week, to see you and, and listen to yep. you speak and were interested and gave you a little feedback or asked questions or bought something from you, you'd right. be ecstatic and almost anybody would be, right? I mean, the, the right. people who would be would be like, nah, I can't show up for 25 or 30 people. Those are honestly few and far between. Even if you're a business leader, if you can get 25, yeah. 30 people to show up for you every week, that's, imp- that's impressive. Podcasting is such an opt-in medium. The audiences don't ever have to be large. It's not about how many people are listening. It's about who's listening, right? Correct. If the right yeah. business owner, the right decision maker, the right entrepreneur, the right investor, whatever your particular niche or angle is, if the right person's listening it could change your life, it could definitely change your show, but it could change your life overnight. Right. So in your case, You've had great content, genuinely. Like, yes, you have been speaking to your friends, but you've got an interesting circle, right?
1: And yeah. It's not right. like you're
0: just talking to your buddies; you're talking to business leaders, successful people. But also, I noticed just the last, what was it, two episodes ago, or was it the very last episode where you reached? She she was outside of your circle, right? The San-
1: Sandy Forrester was outside my circle, but kind of her assistant reached out to me and said, "Hey." You know, would you, would Sandy would love to do the show kind of thing. And I was like, come that's, on.
0: That's the kind of thing that happens. You don't yeah. know. I mean, and Sandy even said it in her episode, right? Like part of the, and man, it turned me on too. the idea that when you ask the universe, you know, call it whatever you want, whether that's in your, I, I was thinking about it this week. Like, what's the difference between the secret or, you know, uh, the law of attraction or positive self-talk and prayer what what is the difference it's, right. no, it's difference in where you're directing it but the, the point is when you meditate when you give positive mental energy and then just as sandy said you got to give it physical energy too right you got to back up the right. pitch with sure. action but when you do that it cannot help at the very the first thing it does is it activates your body and your mind in a way that will bring about positivity yeah. and productivity on your own part right like you'll get excited you'll stay up late working you'll be up early the next morning you'll be better with the wife and kids because you've got a goal you've got a thing that's going yeah. right but then and this is the this is the thing that's really surprising to me the more that I think about it and really cognize exactly what it is. But this idea of speaking it into the universe of claiming it, right? Right. And that activating not it's not magic you don't cause things to to come yeah, into existence right. what you do right. what you do is tell your brain this is what I'm looking for and this is what I want please find it for me. Yeah and it will find it they find the opportunities just like the car analogy right if you buy a car you see the car all the time yeah it's so it's so simple but it's true man so the thing that occurred to me this week and this is why i'm more excited about this than i've ever been this is why i restarted my own show that which some of you are listening to this on podcasting is that self talk podcasting is yeah. that Mantra repetition podcast is the whatever man. You know, I did it. I sat in the studio on this microphone and others five, six years talking to my friends, talking to my colleagues, talking to peers, talking to people outside my circle that I wanted to get info from. Right. In my case, it wasn't even business focused like yours. But the ideas that emerge when human beings discuss things, yeah, right, that's where literally all of human history has come from so like why should we be surprised why should we be surprised that this works like this
1: and that's the funny part like you know two of my guests in the last three or four have lit a fuse inside of me that i didn't expect and both of them you text me on when you're editing like one was sherry fernandez and one was sandy Forster. both of them i mean if we're if we're talking recap like they lit an internal fuse inside of me and i mean like what's funny about that is the conversations that i have off the air with these people is way more po- important to me than the one that i have on the air because it's like well hey your show's great i'm hearing what you're doing and thank you thank you thank you and blah 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 you know and in my job as a podcast host or having my own show is to be able to add that value to them right they don't need me right you know at the end of the day they're doing great they're not they're not struggling and so, you know, you have these people that are multimillionaires and super successful people. You know, I remember I was talking to, to Sandy and she said, you know, that she had already been on a walk on the beach. It was 6.30 in the morning in Australia, her time. She'd already walked on the beach. She already did a cold plunge. She has wild kangaroos walking around her yard. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm up here in Oklahoma City. Like, I, there's no kangaroos running loose in the yard. So...
0: Man, I'm I'm so scared that y'all are going to talk me into the cold plunge. Yeah. I don't I don't even like cold showers, Mike. That's fair. I, I can't get there yet.
1: Listen, <laughs> I, I probably need to get there. I'm not there yet. So you know, I, the more I hang around with these people that have money, it seems to be the secret of their success is like, do it.
0: There are two. There are too many people, powerful, successful positive human beings yeah. are making an impact on the world that I know personally yeah. that are doing cold plunges and, and, you know, early morning wake ups, right cold plunge is generally part of that routine. But yeah. I, there's something to it, man. I can't, I, I can't deny it. I'm scared of it. Honestly, it's not, that's part of my personal growth. I'm not ready for it. I yet, feel like I a cold, right, uh, Mike.
1: a cold plunge at 2 PM is not the answer. I don't think, you know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> no, no, I don't think that's they I didn't like
1: I, my answer. I, I, I was I like two, um, six, that four 30 be, in the that morning. That a
0: whole I mean, that would be a great replacement for like five hour energy, though. Yeah, I guess. You know, I'm saying that afternoon, a little cold plunge. Uh, um. All right, Mike, for for my listeners who or viewers who don't know you, let's get a little intro on you, your show, obviously, the journey of business. We've already talked about that. Yeah. And you've got. Twelve amazing episodes in the feed that they can go find. It's going to be linked in the show notes, of course. But tell them a little bit about your background before podcasting.
1: So I grew up in a family business in the HVAC and appliance industry in Kansas City that was in business for seventy plus years. My grandpa was a part of, my dad and my uncles and everything were a part of. Um, I grew up in that, helped scale that business to a good number. Let's just call it a seven figure number, which was a lot of, a good thing for them. I went away to college, came back, got kind of recruited into a Fortune one hundred setup. Right, as a young executive, not even old enough to rent a car. Right, had they had to sign paperwork for me to rent a car in all these states I was in. I spent two years doing that and parlayed that into my own company. So I opened my own sales and marketing agency uh, in 2002, I guess it was to, into 2001, uh, not too long after September 11th, and I spent you know the last 23, 22 years building this market and you know consulting and coaching and just you know doing some crazy things i mean i think company wide will hit 400 million this year overall sales so things things are in motion for sure
0: that's outstanding, man. Yeah, congratulations. Man. First of all, thanks, brother, success. and and the hard work that it took to get there. Right, this is not, man. I love uh, you. Hear uh, musicians talk about it sometimes. Oh, you were an overnight success, and they're like, Yeah, I toured that album for ten years. That first album I toured for ten years on the road, rewrote it and rewrote it, and rewrote but it. But you know, there, there's finally hit overnight. There's right? a
1: reason why I ask the the question. You know, what, the return on investment of failure in every episode, because the truth of the matter is, is it's not an overnight thing. It is it is falling mm-hmm. deep. And being able to still maintain, and you know, I mean, when I'm when I'm doing these deals with my companies, you know, they're essentially 30 day contracts. So you know, now they roll over, obviously, but you know, that's success driven. You know, I, I guess I'm proud to say, you know, I've never advertised for my business. It's always been referral. It's always been word of mouth. So it's going okay, you know, and and I'm grateful. I'm I'm definitely always looking for new new avenues and things like that. And that's, so that's kind of what the show was born from to kind of fast forward, you know this, but other people might not. I ran into a lot of CEOs and they were like, listen, I'm happy to pay for it, but you should be giving this away for free. <laughs> that's exactly what they said. you know. And I mean, it, if it was one, okay, cool, two, okay. And then the third one was just, I was like, man, okay, maybe I do need to really reevaluate this. And if you remember, I mean, I, I sat down with Kyle Draper here in Oklahoma city and he was like, bro, I need to put you in touch with my guy. And and he literally said, okay. and, and I remember I talked to you and and you were like, I think you have something here, but I was all over the map and you didn't say it. You were nice about it.
0: Well, okay. So that's where I want to go to. So, so first and foremost, before this show, before you had that conversation with Kyle, you not only did you not have a podcast, but you didn't have much of a social media presence. Either. No. Like you were not a public facing guy. At
1: Correct. That. I'm behind the scenes. Everything I've done has always been behind the scenes, not public even on the sales and marketing end of things. If I go to a manufacturer that's saying doing a hundred million a year in sales and they say, Hey, we're looking to expand our market in this state or this area or this region, whatever it is, they would bring me in. I would go in and, and, you know, basically implement a sales and marketing plan, go in, conquer that. They would either pay me a flat fee or a percentage of the, of the sales, which they don't really do that offer anymore on the percentage of sales for obvious reasons, (laughs) but it usually costs them more money than my fees. But it's an interesting thing, man, because like I said, I, I've never, I, the podcast was the last thing on my mind until Kyle, like I, I've been praying about it and thinking about it a lot. And Kyle was like, bro, I don't know what you're waiting on. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he and I have real talk conversations like you and I have, not like we have on the air where I have to be clean because you edit me as a clean person. And, and I'm a clean person 90 plus percent of the time. So I have moments, obviously, but you know, the the idea would be that I'm trying to add value everywhere I go. And that's what the show is based on. I want to give this stuff away for free. So the idea of having a clothing designer on, you know, a clothing designer, there's a lot of people who want to start their own brand, right? Uh, You know, I love people. I've had multiple people reach out to me that do photography that I've put in touch with Ryan Wells to either go work with his company or, you know, have Ryan talk to them and and kind of inspire them. And, you know, I mean, whatever it is, it's just every guest has been different. And that's what I love. So if I talk about the same thing every episode, it becomes redundant. And then it becomes like a job, like I totally talked about earlier. And I don't want to do it. This isn't. I don't need another job. <laughs> Period.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Man, so I've got a I've got a friend, Australian podcast editor Joshua Liston, and he like just relaunched a show back in the fall, and I believe the title of the new show is called "Podcasting as Punk Rock," and we talked about how like the very nature of this medium is unlike every medium that came before there are no gatekeepers and even you know i made a video this this past week about the difference between youtube and podcasting in video in the video space youtube won you know there there were lots of websites in the beginning where people posted video and would go watch but youtube became the video source only in the last little bit as TikTok has grown and now interestingly i saw the other day Even my account, which is not that big. I've got 10 minute videos now on TikTok that I I can post up to 10 minutes. They're coming for YouTube. I would not be surprised if they don't very quickly have a widescreen format video. Yeah,
1: a long word. Yeah, for sure.
0: But the YouTube until now, at least has completely owned the video space. And it owns both ends of it, both ends of the tube. The content creator has to put their video into YouTube. The viewer has to go to YouTube, the YouTube app or YouTube.com or whatever, to watch your video. With podcasting, it started in such a federated way. It was literally a couple of dudes, a former MTV VJ, Adam Curry, was one of the main ones. And they said, hey, we got this thing called RSS that everybody's using for blogs. We could stick audio on that and send it out. And then we don't need a radio station. I don't need a website. I don't need a network. I don't need anybody to control or own or manage my content. I could just go straight to the people. I am amazed in retrospect that it took 10 years plus really for business owners to get the hang of that and go, oh, wait, there's a whole medium over there. You want to talk about direct marketing. Like you don't even have to pay a postage stamp, right?
1: <laughs> and I think that's that's the hard thing. Like you and I were talking about, like, I don't, I, before people would follow me on Instagram and if I didn't know who they were, I would just, I would block it. Like I'm good. And, <laughs> you know, because like, if you, I don't want you in my business, you know, sometimes I post different stuff here and there. TikTok was really just a test for me. Um, You know, Kyle and I talked about this on his episode. I I really wanted to run a couple of weeks worth of content. I really wanted to see what the algorithm would look like and check the analytics and see what that looked like. Because that was really leading up to the show, right? That was kind of like, okay, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be able to drop stuff on here. At this point, I'm actively looking for an assistant that will handle all of my social media stuff because I just don't have the time and I'm not doing it the way it probably needs to be done. And then, like you said, where well,
0: and you don't enjoy it. That's the that's the main part, right? Is that yeah. not, that's not what you in you you don't want to do that?
1: Well, in shorts and reels and all these different things, I, these are what's funny is these are things that I watch, right? <laughs> you know, But it, oh, do. You see, that's I yeah. kind of
0: assumed you weren't a viewer that much.
1: Well, I mean, you know, like my, uh, with my daughters, I mean, you know, the TikTok thing is a thing. You know, like you go to the mall and there's people dancing in the corner and like dancing at you know Dillard's. <laughs> And you're like, what the hell are these people doing, man? And and then like my girls are like, yeah, they're filming this. Do you not hear the music and blah, blah, blah. So what's funny about that is the majority of the people that I follow are the Gary V's of the world that I know, the Tony Robbins of the world, the people that are inspiring me to do what I want to do that are changing the world, the Tom Bilyeu's. And you know pe- people like that, I'm more inspired by the Ed Milettes of the world. And man, it's just those are the people who kind of light me on fire a little bit, the Rob Deardex, And so I'm these are people in a circle that I, that I run in or want to run in. And so I need to be consciously active in what they're doing and, and where they're going. And, you know, I think that's the goal. I mean, you know, I want this to scale, but I mean, I don't want to, this sounds so stupid. I don't want to be some kind of celebrity. Right. I don't, I mean, but I, no, but I want people, but I, but I want people to have good stuff. Like here's the thing, like my goal for this show, like is not just to interview CEOs and entrepreneurs. I want to interview athletes. I want to talk about the NIL deals. I want to talk about these things. I want to talk about, you know, I'd love to interview managers of celebrities. And, and you know, I mean, like, I've got some goals for the show. Like, I'm actively going to start pushing. So my guests, while they've been great, now I'm going to start reaching outside of my circle and really trying to pull people in and go, hey, listen, like, let's have some real talk conversations. Can we do that? Are you willing to be vulnerable enough to have that conversation with somebody like me? you know, who's got, you know, a handful of thousands of subscribers or whatever that is. And then you just go, okay, what's
0: next? Dude, I think you're, I think you're a perfect test case though, of the way that this should work. You launched yeah. with some people you knew, yeah. you felt comfortable with, they felt comfortable with you. yeah. You, you knew where the conversations were going to go. And already just even in the like six, seven, eight episodes you began to branch out of that and you're following the conversation instead of your your predetermined roadmap based on what happens in the interview, right? And then now you're to 11, 12, and you're interviewing people kind of outside your circle that you're interested in. Nah. So To me, the top three reasons why anybody who is any kind of leader should have a podcast and – it doesn't have to be forever, right? You don't have to do one every week. You don't have to do one forever in a day. You can have a set series of presentations you're going to make. Hey, I got these many things to say, and then I'm going to let it mothball for a while. The point though, is that anybody who is any kind of leader, a business leader, especially, but even if you're a leader in your church or your you know local community, if you're a mayor or a council member or something like that, you've got a lot of information to impart. <laughs> and Mike, one of the things that I love listening come up on your show is you talking about your your daughters. You got twin girls yeah. a little bit older than mine. Yeah. Yours are teenagers 109 right now. But it's like every now and again you're sitting there just being a dad and you realize, wait a minute, their brains are open right now. Let me let me shove as much as I can in this. Oh no, the window's closed. You, not know, you know anymore. what I like,
1: relate to? It's like double dutch, right? like you're waiting to hop in and then like you, you have that active thing for like two seconds and you're like, let me get in them. And then you shut out, You're like, Jesus man, here we go. You know, you like, you just can't win um, with that conversation. So I don't ever stop. That's the funny part. Like I, I I used to just kind of be, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're either going to get it or you're not, but I mean, it's not going to be on me.
0: (laughs) So my point though, was I feel like this is exact. Like, look, man, Archive it. You know, you get hit by a bus next week, you get cancer in 10 years, yeah. the apocalypse comes, whatever. Long as they got an old iPod, they can keep juiced up with that solar panel. Right. They can still listen to dad. Yeah. And hear and not and look, man, like yet yeah, part of it is just literally a record of your voice. I think that's amazing for family members. This this podcasting boom, even if you're kind of a hobbyist, I think it's cool to get your voice on wax and leave it out there for your kids, your grandkids to enjoy. But the stories and the education the knowledge and the information that you have to impart and they can come back and find it whenever they're ready for it. Right. That's what I like, man. Dan Carlin, which is one of my favorite podcasters. He hosts the hardcore history show. I got to see him speak at a conference years ago in Anaheim. And he said, anytime he's making a podcast, he's thinking about, you know, he's carving it into the digital stone, these podcast episodes. And he's got millions and millions and millions of downloads and listeners, but his podcast episodes are going to be his legacy. You know, most people, the vast majority of the human populace will never buy anything from you. They'll never hire you as a coach. They'll never hire me as a podcast editor, et cetera, et cetera. But the things that I leave them life lessons, business lessons, content production lessons, you know, whatever, right. Just funny stories and anecdotes, all of that stuff that I'm leaving in my podcasts and and my videos now as well. Like, that's out there for all of those humans to find whenever it comes to them. And again, just like we talked about earlier, if they're out there seeking, <laughs> you know, if they're saying to the universe, boy, I really wish I knew how to do a podcast or boy, I really wish I knew why I'm stumbling in my business and I can't get to the next level. The universal show I'm Mike Wolf. The universal show I'm Joel Sharpton. Yeah. You know, as long as we're out there also hustling to provide those opportunities for them to catch on to us. So the CEOs that told you to start a show that you ought to be giving this stuff away for free, they're exactly right. Right. I'm glad you did. I want to ask you, ten episodes in now, other than scheduling. Yeah. Which Tw- we already know. Twelve. Don't sh- don't, cut, biggest- don't cut me short. 12, Twelve. Excuse me. Don't cut you short. That's right. Twelve episodes, a dozen, a baker's dozen here at thirteen already. <laughs> what what is the biggest what is the biggest hassle or the hardest part of it week to week in production?
1: It's timelines. Usually you know this. And I think a lot of it is, you know, cause we try and drop every Tuesday morning. Um, we want to have a weekly show. I, m- I remember having conversations with you being like, man, I think I could drop a couple a week. And you were like, bro, chill out. Like don't. Yeah, don't don't, you need to put these in the can. And you know, what I realized is when I'm starting to deal with interviews on another continent, that I have to work around timelines, right? And you know, I'm interviewing people in Canada and interviewing people here and there and different coasts and and you know, I think that's probably been the trickiest part for me because having conversations with people is what I do all day long. So right. talking talking business, talking family, talking shop is easy for me. Now, I think the timelines are just the hardest part, I guess to answer your question. Cause I need to give stuff to you at a certain time frame, because I want to be able to be on schedule. So like this, this week, for example, we came to this show because I had someone that was ske- supposed to be scheduled last week. They pushed it to Monday, meaning this today, today's episode of this was supposed to launch in the morning. And so I said, okay, cool. I get back in town late last night from being out of town for work. And now all of a sudden it's like this. And then it's like, Hey man, Hey, can we push it to later in the week? And later that I text you, I'm like, man, I'm glad this was the end of season one kind of thing, right? Like this, the first quarter recap, but, and he, you were just literally like, yo, let's throw something down together. And and I love the idea of this because I actually was going to do this. If you remember like two months ago. So it kind of played itself out the way it does, but timelines are the hardest because you're working on two different schedules. And, you know, I usually make my schedule pretty readily available so that they can look on Calendly and, and see what it is. So I give people their option, but when they get set the option and then f- Fall apart with it. It sucks.
0: The number one thing that I try to tell clients when we first get started is if you can at all, you want to batch schedule your recordings. Yeah. You know, you want to make a day or two days a month that are your production days, put as many. Recordings in the can on those days as you can can handle. I generally tell people never shoot for more than four. If you are if you're a great talker, if you are just game and and, and an extrovert, you can do four conversations in a day. But that fourth one, your energy is going to be lagging, your attention is going to be lost, right? Well, you've you've already said so many things that day, right? You you end up repeating yourself and kind of making some of the same points, or you get lost connecting what the guest is saying to what somebody else said yet, you know, it's just, it's uh, that gets confusing. Nobody, I mean, look, broadcasters don't do that kind of thing, right? The, the woman or the the people who run the, you know, the six o'clock news don't run the 10 o'clock generally. Um, Or if they do the six and the 10, then they don't do the 11 or the midnight.
1: Well, you know, that, that's how, that's how they get Steve Harvey in there, you know, on family feud, he comes in and films one episode, but he changes suits every 35 minutes. And that's what he does, you know, and he films all these episodes for, you know, he'll film 10, 10 episodes in a day.
0: Okay. So this is something for myself that I'm like again just having to wrap my mind around in the last couple of weeks, trying to get some videos out on a consistent basis on, on all my channels. Yeah. Which what I'm doing, by the way, as far as we you mentioned reels earlier. What I'm doing as far as that short form content, I am producing one piece of content and I'm putting it on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube as a short. The, the, the only thing is TikTok, Instagram will both take like three minute content and that's they're fine with it. Yeah, Facebook and YouTube want a minute or yeah, Facebook and YouTube want under a minute. But generally, under a minute content works best on all the platforms anyway. So I, I feel like if I can't make it live under a minute, then it ought to just go to those two platforms and, and be fine. But the cool thing in, in that experiment for me has been to see what videos hit and that the algorithm will take off and feed yeah. on TikTok versus what will hit and will TikTok take off on YouTube versus what will hit and take off on Facebook or what will hit and take off on Instagram. It, that is continually fascinating to me. And as a content creator, I think, okay, well now, and, and a month is not really enough data to do this, but a quarter from now, six months from now, I'm going to be able to look at that and start to see some patterns that I can then target content to. And, and over time, as I see, okay, well, where are your leads coming from? Who, who actually, what new, you know, new clients are coming from this, this avenue or that avenue or whatever. Anyway, it's super exciting, but the way that I'm doing that is filming at least two or three in one day. I'm setting one day where I'm, Hey, my workload's light, kids are out of the house, whatever it might be. I'm going to put two, three in the can. But the very first day that I tried to do that, Mike, I I am I got into my second video and I was really rocking and rolling. I was proud of myself. And then I went, wait a minute. You're wearing the exact same shirt yeah. that you just wore for the other video. Right. And you want these to go out, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. I mean, you want it to look like you're doing laundry, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, man. Like that's the so I'm laying out outfits. That's and the
1: hard part, you know. And and that's why, like, yeah, you know, I said earlier, you know, the content thing is hard for me because Priority for me is is trade link, which is my main source of income. That's how I operate. And my customers come first. You know, yeah, the show's cool. That's probably two. You know, social media to build my brand is probably three, you know, and my family rolls in there before one, obviously. So, you know, I think in my timelines and 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 stuff with my church and stuff like that, that just always takes precedence for me. And it's important to me. And so, you know, so working around those kind of timelines, those parameters that I'm I'm not a great schedule guy. People that, you, that know me really well, I'm just not like, you know, if somebody books me for something like, when, you know, when my wife and I have this conversation all the time, I'm like, okay, cool. I've got four hours. I'm good. I don't have anything going on. It's like, but Hey, we're going to dinner with so-and-so and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And I'm like, I, we didn't talk about this. Right. <laughs> like, and, and so these are the kind of conversations that I have in my house where people are like, my kids get mad yeah. It, you it, gotta
0: put it in my you gotta put it in my calendar, man. If you Here's even if you line, put it, it in my calendar, a, like, analog person.
1: you, you want to know the funny part? Put something in my calendar and watch me decline it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you know? <laughs>
0: my is an analog person. We we've got a big calendar, a family calendar where she literally writes everything down. She's got like a date book she likes to keep to. I am absolutely a digital person. I have I've begged for years. I'm like, hey, let's use a shared reminder list on our iPhone. For grocery shopping. Why don't we? Wouldn't that be convenient if we both knew all the time what we needed so that I wouldn't even have to text? She's like, nope, not going to do it. I'm like, all right, we'll put it in the calendar. So what we do now is literally about once a week, I go and I pull the family calendar down and I reconcile and add any uh, events that are pertinent to me. You know, if there's a, look, well, for instance, this, this Thursday, I've got a doctor's appointment with my, with my 13 year old. Okay, great. I need to know about that. I have to block time off for that. I have to make sure nobody schedules me yeah. for then.
1: And see, and I walk by yeah, the I, I gotta go I walk reconcile. by the calendar and pretend like I don't see it. <laughs> so that that's just what the difference is. I you know I mean like I keep my schedule so that you know if I have appointments with clients or whatever it is during the week or you know, through the weekend, like I'm working on this big deal out in eastern Oklahoma right now. So like some they're requiring more of my time. So I was there literally Thursday through Sunday. You know, and sometimes that's just what it is. And then you get, like I said, and I'm, I'm, I'm playing on my, I was like, okay, Monday's pretty open. I'm just recording a show. It'll be great. You know, following up, doing a bunch of social stuff. And then it was like, that happens. And you're kind of like your whole schedule gets out of whack, which is what I hate about scheduling. It just sucks. But anyway, I'm on a soapbox about this. It, it really just frustrates me to no end. So,
0: well, I don't think you're alone though. And, and I think that is one of the biggest impediments for a lot of, of leaders who do want to have some sort of show of their own, whether that be a YouTube channel or just a regular Instagram live or, or a, a, a actual podcast. I think it's like, man, I, I don't, I can't put something else firm in my calendar every week. I gotta be more flexible than that, you know, because things come up. But uh, one of the big through lines for your show, I think has been about building systems, teams, you know, creating an organization, not just a job for yourself. If your business can't function without you, even for an hour or two a week for you to do a content creation, you know, gig, then that's not a very solid business, right? So where all of us have to get better about that, but that is like, I think I think that is the problem for business leaders is time management and schedule control. So so you're not alone in that. And I think it's something that everybody needs to think about as you go through this process. You, I want to be super cognizant of your time. Um, so I, I want two more things I definitely want to get to before we get off here. First and foremost, I'm super excited to get to answer the return on investment of failure uh, question. It's one of the biggest reasons why I was like, hey, let me be on the show, actually, Mike. But before we get to that, I want to ask you about video specifically, because I want to talk a little bit about some of the choices that I've made to try to add video myself. You, Your mindset on this when we first talked was well I got to go video cuz youtube's important I want to have the short form content down the road let's do video you shot the first four in video you're still shooting video but we're not actually using that content at all what first and foremost let's just you give it to me and to the audience what was the hang up in the video Why did we decide to shift back? First and foremost, it's a little cheaper, obviously, relaxes your guests because you don't have to worry about your appearances, et cetera, et cetera. Those aren't really the answers for you. That's not why you stopped. What was the problem with video in your opinion? I think a lot
1: of it was the editing. I was worried about mistakes. It sounds real. I'm I'm a perfectionist. You know this. So, like When I'm I'm saying something, I'm marking a lot of stuff up on my episodes when I listen to them back. I'm always cognizant of... Appearances are big and that's great, but if it, it has to be value-driven video, right? Like if somebody hears you say something, it's cool. But when somebody's watching you say something, I feel like you listen differently. And it, mm. it's almost like you're sitting in the room with somebody. And you know, if somebody's saying something and then it, it lags or it, the, the audio video is off, it nothing makes me more irritated watching a video if it lags. Not the circle lags. I'm talking about if the audio doesn't match the video.
0: If there's a yeah, if there's and, a
1: slight... and and I literally stopped the video instantly, like because I don't have the patience to watch somebody. I'll listen to it for sure, but so that was something I worried about a lot because I did have some issues initially when I was doing it. If you remember, I told you I was like, man, I recorded this test deal, and and it just I was terrified that it was going to come out wrong. What I realized in that moment is I was probably really self conscious about the way things were going first four episodes. And you know, I I, I was inter- I remember I was interviewing Vern, uh, Vernon Dees, and he was in his office downtown in Oklahoma City. Guy ran into a power pole, into a power pole, and, and instantly like lost his video, lost his internet. It was gone in the middle of my broadcast. And I was like, man, what what do I do here? And then I was like, we're never going to be able to match this audio and video. And, and, you know, so like we figured it out, it worked out, but I, I, mean, those are the kind of things that have held me back is probably just being really self-conscious in regards to that. And the other thing is, is, I mean, I'll just be completely honest and this is a up for me. I'm fully self-aware of it. I don't like watching myself on video. It, it seems like a super clownish thing to say because I'm putting myself yeah. on video, but you know, I mean, I, I know I'm fully self-aware enough to know that that's not how I should look at it. That's why, I mean, dude, like people ask me to come and speak. I don't go and speak on stage because like, I like being behind the scenes, but how do you have a podcast that's being seen by tens of thousands of people and then, and listened to in videos. And then you go, you wanted this attention, right?
0: Well, I mean, you also, you have a business that is about reputation and about, uh, results all of which will only be amplified if you have a more public profile. So it will will never be bad for business. And just as we said earlier, you only have so much time in the day. People only have so much money. There's a huge section of the population that could benefit from your knowledge and expertise that can't ever work with you. That's how I feel too. I feel like literally like there are young podcasters, young content creators out there, young business owners that are like, man, I'm I'm bootstrapping this, you know, retail store and I, there are no margins. I've got no money to spend, but I listen to podcasts. Surely I could do something. Yeah, you can, man. Like, and there, it, you can do it all on your own. It's about time investment at that point instead of money investment. But like all of us, anyway, I feel like it's important to get the message out there. I wanted to ask the question about video because I wanted to hear your particular angles on it. I knew what I thought. And honestly, to hear your top couple of reasons, they're different than the ones that I imagined. I imagined there were mostly hardware issues.
1: Well, the hardware issues was the first thing. That was the one thing, like I told you, that really frustrated me. And I think the other thing is, is I just, I was so weirdly self-aware that I was just like, man, is this really what I want to do?
0: Well, you're, you're used to, and boy, this is true for all of us, we like to do things that we're good at yeah sure right yeah and you're used to presenting a certain level of accomplishment right. and efficiency and just competency when you do your work and here you had to make yourself a novice man one of my professors at louisiana tech a a brilliant guy he was in the lighting world for years he worked for madonna on like the blonde ambition tour he's he's a world-renowned stage fight choreographer mark gwen brilliant dude also just really cool yeah magnificent mustache okay he says all the time man everybody if you were a real master yeah you should long to become a novice yeah you should always be looking for that new area that you can not conquer, but, but add because a well-rounded education, a well-rounded set of experiences, yeah. you're going to bring all of those new facets back to the thing that you're making money. In, right. right. That's the idea anyway. Yeah. So for him, literally he he's in his sixties, I think now early sixties, late fifties at least. And he just started Brazilian jiu-jitsu like 2 3 years back and this dude is a black belt in a handful of martial arts already right starts back at the very beginning gets his white belt on and starts getting his butt kicked because he wants to feel that yeah. burn of new knowledge sure. right so i think you got to get out there and grind sometimes and it's hard to do you got to eat ego to do it you got to you're worried about like Well, this isn't up to, this is the word that I got from you. It's not up to my expectations, right? Right. We need to do, you were so worried about your background. What are we going to hang back here, Joel? We got to put a shelf up. I got to paint something. I got to do this. I got to do that. Let me show you literally what I'm doing here. I've got my Apple TV on. My television is on. I got a screensaver going on the Apple TV. The TV, I put an LED strip on it that there's, there's a little camera hanging off the front of here it reacts to whatever's on the TV screen and lights up behind the screen as well. I, for my own show, I created like a kind of a cloudy red, just a little bit of motion, a little bit of light. Right. I run that while I'm speaking. The wall gets lit up behind me. Everything looks dynamic, right? Super simple. Didn't cost me any money. I had all the pieces already just here. Now the angle on this camera is not perfect. I'm working on it. Sure. I want to put a, I want to hang a picture up there. You know, I want to add some pieces. But I said, what I want most is to create the video and to post these videos. So how do I get from here to there in a way that I can be happy and excited and proud of? And I think that's what people need to ask themselves. If they're listening to this and they're like, oh, I'm stuck on go. What's the least you need to do to be excited about the project? And then do that and get going, put something out. And then you build from that. You'll learn the things you like. You'll learn the things you don't like. You'll learn the things that are hard. You'll learn the things that come easy. And, you know. And, you know, what, reach out and find some help. You know,
1: what's funny, like, and this is crazy. So the la- three of the last four people I've interviewed are best-selling authors, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, the New York Times bestsellers, like they're, they're no slouch, right? Like these are real time people. You want to sit in a room with somebody that inspires you to want to write and put your things out. Like I never thought about writing a book until I started interviewing people that are going, I don't know why you're not selling this. Right. I mean, so when you talk about video and being inspired and you do these different things, the idea is, is it's like you have that. And I mean, like I've been thinking for about two years, man, I I really want to build a sales and marketing and, and coaching and consulting academy. Right. I want to do these different things. You want to hang out with three or five or 10 different people that have that already put together the 10 of my 12 people are doing that. And so the idea is, is it's like, why are you not doing this? And then, so that's what the video piece, like circling around back to the video piece for me to be doing these, these are webinars that they get on every single week. There were people have group access to you that have thousands, tens of thousands of people that tune into a webinar every single week that are paying you, let's just call it a large amount of money combined. Right. I mean, and, and, and then, you know, sitting on camera and having these conversations and answering these questions. And I'm fully comfortable doing that. But when it's like, Hey, you know, let's put this on video and put it out to the masses. It still makes me uncomfortable. I'm all in for it now, but I mean, like I'm getting a little bit better. So a lot of it is the Academy is, is going to be huge? Like it, it's just going to be what I want to do. And then, you know, this book is going to be something. I mean, I'll, I plan on having that done this year. Uh, I, I'm gonna I do swear both. to
0: God I swear to God Mike I started a pages project okay in my computer to for a book for myself yeah I literally I, Come on. I was I was like okay it's time it's time to write a book about podcasting my philosophy of podcasting you know the I I'm so passionate about this medium and and the outlet that you know never in human history has Literally, everybody had an opportunity to have their voice heard. Now, that's dangerous in some ways, too, right? Bunch of knuckleheads out there spewing nonsense. But I think, on the whole, the leveling playing field that this provides i mean you know whatever it is is four or five billion people with a smartphone if you got a smartphone you could podcast you can make a tiktok you can make an instagram live you can create a platform for yourself you can create a business for yourself and you can create a market for yourself and this is not about being a celebrity yeah as you said it's about sharing your expertise your your Abilities, whatever it might be, and connecting with the people that need you and that want to work with somebody like you all over the world. Like, that's again, this goes back to that law of attraction. There are tons of people that are just sitting there begging, boy, I wish I had a Joel to work with and they don't know me yet. Right. right? So I got to get out there and provide the universe enough opportunities to put me in front of them so that they can find me. That's, that's what I'm focused on now. That's why I am trying to make more. But you
1: know, like I think the biggest misconception is for, for somebody listening to this show and I hope they hear this. I hope they're sticking around to the 51st minute of this conversation you know, because the truth of the matter is, is there's a misconception that because I do what I do, that you can't afford to have a conversation with me, you know, that you can't reach out and hit me up. Do you think I don't hit people up? I hit people up all the time and and people that are
0: the worst they can ever say is no. Right. Well, and the and, worst it, they can ever say is no. people
1: that are way above my pay grade. I've built relationships with just simply by hitting them up and saying, hey, listen, I'm really kind of working on this. I really would love to you know, get your opinion. And then, you know, the idea is, is I don't do anything for free. I wouldn't ask anyone else to do something for free. So how can I add value? Like, let me help you. Let me do this. And somebody might go, hey, I'm, I've got a new book coming out or I'm doing this. It's like, let me get a hold of that. Let me see what you're doing. And so what's funny is, you know, my my I've been having some conversations with like Bob Berg. He wrote The Go-Giver, right? Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Ryan Wells put me onto to him and, and John David Mann. What's funny is I'm friends with both of them. And the idea is, is it's like my goal now, I want them on this show. Like, you know, so I'm planting seeds of comments and, you know, he's, you know, I mean, you do these things on social media and it's like, okay, now it's, I mean, you know, like the old jab, 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 right hook conversation. Right. And it's like, Hey man, I just want to be involved in what you're doing. How can I be involved? How can I be involved? Then it's like, side note, if you don't know, I have a podcast and I really, really, really would love to have you on because it was really, truly inspired by you know, the go-giver foundation. And so, you know, I, I think about that. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of, I'm creating a top 100 list that I fully plan to execute a launch, se- you know, a launch season into pretty quickly.
0: That's fantastic. That, and that's, I think that is absolutely the way people should structure it. Like think dream big, mm-hmm. who are your, like, I've got a, uh <laughs> well, I'm not going to mention the name because I don't think it's a done deal yet, but I've got a client who's about to hit their 100th episode and they're shooting for a big name rapper. They've got some connections through the business world. They've made some a bunch of business deals with this rapper's family and the rapper directly. And they're like, let me get them on for the 100th episode. It won't be about the industry directly, but it will be a name. We can talk about business. We can talk about the, you know, the music industry, et cetera, et cetera. All of that stuff is interesting and compelling, but it's like you can't have those conversations with people if you don't have the place to have those conversations, right? This is why I think like you start the show, you open up the door and then you say, what I would like to do is to speak to these, uh, you know, award-winning authors. I'd like to speak to these, uh, you know, seven figure, eight figure business leaders. I'd like to speak to these, you know, whatever. Yeah, I would like to speak to Mike Wolf, who's doing this excellent podcast yeah. about the journey of business yeah. and how he's built his own uh, business out, how all of these business leaders have built theirs and how they have succeeded through and maybe even because of failure. Mike, I'm going to turn the tables on you. Uh, What is the uh, return on uh, investment for failure for you?
1: Man, you know, I've fallen so hard so many times personally, professionally battled through some so many different things that have held me back. I've I've done business with people that that I just didn't uh, need to do business with, you know, when you're trying to make money, you kind of sometimes sell your soul a little bit, especially early in the game, right? And so, you know, you're like, Man, I I'm trading, you know, time for money and, and sometimes it's just not worth it. And so, you know, I, I represented some clients, I've probably represented six or seven clients that I knew up front, like, okay, this is a, a fast check. And when I say a fast check, it's like I'm talking six figures a year check. Right. Like I'm not talking small fries. And the idea is, but this is going to cause me some heartache. This is going to cost me some time. This is going to be painful. I'm going to have to deal with people I don't like, people who do shady business sometimes. And, you know, I always feel like if I can put myself out there, I can implement things that are going to put things on the right path. Right. And so I think that portion of the journey for me has been painful to look back on and see that I sacrificed one thing for another. And so for me, Mm. sacrifice is a big thing, you know, and especially when my kids were young, I talked to so many people about this off camera. That's the funny part, right? You know, I mean, people hit me up with this and they're like, man, listen, I love this. Let's talk about this. And I'm like, wait, 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 come on the show. And they're like, no, I need to talk about it right now. You know, I'm a firm believer in God, man. I'm a firm believer that God creates paths for people. You know, I talk about it a lot. I, I, You know, I'm not a preacher, but I seem to hang around a lot. And you know a lot, a lot, of, a lot of pastors and people like that. And you know, you know, when you're when you're in a city with the Craig Rochelles of the world, and in a state with the Mike Todd's of the world, and the people like that that are changing the world, you can't not listen somehow, some way. You know, you know, you don't build a life church overnight. You know, it's, it it becomes a massive platform. So I guess in regards to the failure, I've, I've fallen significantly a few times that have really that have really, really, really tested my faith in business and people. When it comes to money, people will do anything to take it from you. And I learned hard lessons, lost a lot of friendships, lost a lot of relationships of, of people trying to be where I'm at. And, and here's the thing, man, like you can always get more money. You can't get time back. You know, like this is the one thing I think that I'd never have said on this show. Man, you can always replace money. People people who don't have it don't understand it, but when you have it and you realize that your your time is money, your heart is money, when you put yourself out there, it's money. It counts for something. It might not be monetary, but it's it's money at the end of the day, right? Like your time is money.
0: It's a currency. For sure. It's the only currency that is never, uh, it it never uh, goes through a period of of rising and falling. There's no inflation for time. There's no deflation for time. There's no government bailouts. Like, you got what you got. And honestly, here's the really sad part. There's no meter to tell us how much we got.
1: Or how much time we have left. And I think that's the funny, th- that's that's the funny part where... It, and, and when I say funny part, I really don't mean funny part because it's the part that I think about the most. I've traded so much of my time for money in, in the last 25 years, probably. And that experience has been incredible. But I look back and I'm like, man, I really missed some opportunities to probably handle things differently. And so when somebody comes and talks to me about their business, I'm hyper-conscious and hyper-aware of making sure they understand the balance because man, listen, it's like you can sacrifice a little bit of money, but you know you're not getting this time back with your family. Or you know, like my mother-in-law was sick for man six years, and our whole family just kind of came around her, and it was a 24 7 365 deal, and we did it for six years. And when I tell you it I, I was I was working full time, running my business successfully. I mean, dude doing 12, fifteen million dollars a year in sales on my own. And my wife would take the day shift, and I would go and sit with her at night at the hospital. And I mean, dude, we did this forever. And luckily, what I learned in that moment was money's cool, right? I mean, like money's cool; it's what makes the world go round. But man, like I I mean, we, my wife and I talk about this a lot. This is just my mother-in-law. Most people don't even have relationships with their mother-in-law like I had with mine, but. I would trade that that money all day long to have her back. One, to put both of my wife's nonsense, you know? I mean, like I want her because my wife needs her and my my daughters my need her, interfered. you know? So like there's this balance of, but I mean, yeah. like I need her. I needed that that feedback. She's really the one that kind of encouraged me to lead in youth and, you know, kind of lead the next generation kind of thing. So all the things that I'm involved in, probably church-wise, were really a push from her at the end of the day. Yeah. And so like where I, and and so... What I realized in those moments, because I do look at this as a little bit of failure, I think I missed it at the time, and I don't. I don't live from a regrets place. That's not. Uh, that's not a healthy place to live. Right. You know, and I don't talk about that kind of stuff a lot. But I mean, you know, a lot of people have influenced me that aren't here any longer, and I wish they were because now that I'm successful, now that all these things are in motion and it's great. Who am I sharing it with outside of my family and you know a handful of friends? It would just, you know, I mean, it, it's those things that you look back on failure-wise and you go, man, I, I should have probably played that different. And and I, very seldom do I say that anymore. Honestly, uh, I'm all in from the jump. People know me. They know where I stand pretty early in the game. And so, yeah, I, I think that's a big thing for me, Joel. I mean, like, I love failing. I do. <laughs> like, I, it doesn't hurt my feelings. Well, I don't like losing. But I think failing and losing, yeah,
0: but losing is losing not is failing. not failing. And difference.
1: I think I think the the failing piece is like, man, I, you know, I just got in a sideways fight with my daughters, for example, and it's like, all right, I kind of need to know where to step differently in the next jump, right? And so, okay, you know, this is a hot button for her. I need to I need to navigate around that next time. I need to handle this differently. So I don't think this is just a business show. Like the fact that people just it, the, the, I'm starting to have regrets about the journey of business and I'm just going to be honest because like, there's so many other things I want to cover, but I also don't want to be a Dr. Phil show.
0: No, but I, I think that's, I think the journey of business is a great title because it is the journey. And, and honestly, like you're a million percent right in that, you know, we all trade time for money. Uh, most of us are stuck doing that, Mo- you know, again, most humans throughout history, that's all they've ever gotten to do is trade time for money or trade time for sustenance, et cetera, et cetera. And, and luckily in this modern age, I think more of us than ever are able to make a shift and do something else other than just trade time for money, thank goodness. But even those of us who build a business, even if you've got a good business with good structure where it's not just time for money, you got multipliers in there. Even then cognizing the, the finiteness of time, you know, none of us know how, how full that meter is and we cannot buy any more of it. I know there's a lot of folks in, uh silicon valley that are real focused on you know life extension and i do think we're we're going to continue to make advances there but we're never going to get to immortality folks if we do we're going to fill this rock up too quick and it's not going to work anyway so 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 you know hold the time that you have take advantage of it take opportunities to multiply your time and your impact and your effort. So, so that, you know, you provide one effort, but your output is multiplied. I think that's what podcasting is instead of one-on-one calls, or you picking a couple of people to mentor, or even having a small mastermind group, which you can do in addition, but instead of those things, or in addition to those things, you can put out a public forum like this and you can reach hundreds, thousands of people, you know, Ten years from now, fifteen years from now, a hundred years from now, people can still find this and, and gain.
1: Well, and I will more. say, I, I, I will say you real quick. I think none be- of that is because failure. I think the idea is is I think there's a ripple effect from failure, you know, and and mm-hmm. I think people are short sighted on that because I think they're like you know I I've done some things. I did a business deal that cost me about 150 grand. I talked about it with Jeremiah. He knows, you know, when we did this episode, and and I started this deal with you know and and it was I was chasing money. No, no doubt about it. Like I, I I had something great. I was chasing money. My passion was in trade link. It was not in this brand. And I ended up having to sell that brand off, which was great because but I mean that that deal cost me 150k. It was not an easy process. It caused problems in my marriage, caused problems with my health. It caused, you know, I mean like but, but like here's the thing, man. Like 150k in the grand scheme of things is a ton of money. Ridiculous money. House money, right? It, house money
0: but it's just money. It is house. But, you're but absolutely right. Somebody it's goes, money. Hey, I, but it's, it's I don't just want money.
1: people to un- misunderstand what I'm saying. The crazy amount of money. But also when you're talking about business and you're talking about things and you're talking about the investment, like sometimes you invest that money into yourself or what you're doing. And sometimes it just doesn't work. I mean, I had to literally eat crap for two years to get out of that hole. And you know, my family did, and the struggle was the struggle. And, you know, and, and that's a risk that I took. I am much more risk averse now, meaning I don't take as many risks after that experience because I I thought I was invincible. Cause I'm out here killing it in the streets, right? Like, you know, it it was it was eye opening, but the lessons that I learned from that, it wasn't failing. The only thing that makes me it just genuinely makes me mad is that I lost. I just I wasn't ready. And and so like I self-awareness is where I am now, right? So like uh, you'll hear me I preach self-awareness, I preach value. I didn't lead from that heart when I did that deal. And it cost me money and and cost my family money. Well, it cost me money because it's business money, but at the end of the day that's money. <laughs> you know, so I, that that was a big loss for me, but the ripple effect that I'm talking about is the way I do business now is different because of that experience. And I'm hyper-conscious, hyper-aware, super laser-focused on not stepping in that pile again. That landmine, I'm navigating those waters precisely to stay away from those kind of pitfalls. And I mean, and I think if anyone's still listening, because, you know, I know we are running long, but, you know, the idea is, is that I wanted to have Joel and I have this conversation because he is tremendously value-driven, and I'm not hyping you up because you're on the show. I'm just—I mean, I tell other people this too, so I don't want you to feel like don't don't get a big head real quick. But I'm—but I am saying like you're doing incredible things, and I think it's just the beginning for you. And I see that, and I pray oh, that man. you can see that. And, and so like when we're talking about different,
0: I, I feel it. Yeah, and when
1: we, but when we're talking about different things, you know, like when you guys are out doing podcasts and you're on location at different things and you're doing these cool things, right? Like that's the kind of stuff I want to do. So like you know, I mean, I want to be drugged along into those kind of deals where we can be live on scenes and having those kind of experiences, and I think it would be awesome. But you know, like I don't, the backbone isn't there for me yet. It's still in you know we're early stages, right? And I mean, I'm fresh out.
0: But okay, so that's I'm gonna go ahead because we I do want to wrap this up for everybody. I'm gonna answer what what's what's my return on investment? Man, I got a bunch of them. First and foremost, I've been married and divorced. My marriage failed in a, in a, in a huge spectacular fashion, right. Fought for three years to, to figure out custody and, and find out how to work with one another as, as co-parents. However, I met the love of my life, A, a girl who, a woman, I should say, who was married previously to a guy I knew growing up. We, we, he and I grew up in the same hometown. They dated in early college. They got married. He ends up dying of suicide very young, like right after they got married, both of us ruined. We could have just sat right there in our, 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 our sadness. You know, Uh, I could have been a a playboy single dad. She could have been a a 20 something year old widow. Instead we're a second act story where we both found the love of our life. You know, she's my soulmate and my my partner and my ride or die and my best friend and and the coolest person I know, you know, we never would have met if both of us hadn't suffered those tragedy. We never would have, would have passed each other's, you know, paths. So it's not like I wish if I had a time machine, I'd save her all of that sadness, but at the same time, and likewise, I'd save myself all that grief. But at the same time, I'd be missing two sons and I wouldn't have the wife that I have today. So that's big return on, on, on failure right from go. I had, you talk about choosing the wrong client. The most spectacular failure on my business came two years in. I was, I had been working independent for two years, left the radio station. And although honestly, even that, leaving the radio station and going independent, starting podcasting was failure in its own way to start with. It was forced failure, forced out of failure. I should say my wife and I got married and we immediately realized we were pregnant. I mean, like the, actually like five days before our wedding day, we were going to do a surprise wedding and we sat down and realized we were pregnant. So the girls come in November after we got married in April and I suddenly have twins in addition to my two sons that we had at the time, the radio station money was not cutting it. We were going in the hole every week. We were going in the hole and it was like, what am I going to do? One of the guys at the radio station said, Hey, did you know you can keep your job and Go switch to become a contractor, and with your income, you might not even owe any taxes. The way that you know, once you do all your write offs and everything, you could keep every dollar coming in, so you could help with your day to day and your week to week. And then at the end of the year, you could kind of balance based on your write offs. And I mean, obviously, it's more complicated <laughs> yeah. than that. This is not tax advice. to go burdens. and stop paying taxes, right? But. but- But in the short term, what it meant for me was I could go from 80% of my income to 100% of my income coming in, being able to feed my family and pay the bills while I figured it out how to grow it, right? Boom, easy decision to make. So I was forced into that through failure, honestly. My income was not where it needed to be. My family was expanding faster than I had intended it to. Had to get something tracking. Two years into that, I got an opportunity to work for a big investor. This guy moved money for billionaires and stuff like that, and they wanted to do a not profit, a not for profit thing about veterans. This rang all my bells. Big, big uh, spender. Uh, a nonprofit uh, organization, uh, a goal that I was interested in, which was they were talking about like processing and helping veterans work through PTSD. I was like, all of this. Is excellent. I'm going to be so passionate about this. We're going to tell some amazing stories. It was going to be an artful podcast, too. It was like a, like sort of an NPR thing where we were going to have interviews, but then cut those up and tell stories through the interviews. I was going to be able to hire a couple of friends of mine who are veterans and podcasters. It was going to be awesome. The guy was a loony bin. Yeah. I yeah. didn't set the contract in place. Like nothing, the the manager for the project didn't know what she wanted and hadn't been given good instructions. It all fell apart spectacularly. I thought for several months I was going to get sued. <laughs> it, like right. I was panicked for you know all sorts of reasons. It was it was terrible, terrible, terrible. What did I learn from it? I have to better vet my clients. I have to know exactly who I am working with and why and and how we're aligned and all those things. I also need to have some contracts in place so that it's not just spoken word and whatever. We need to have some things on paper that guarantee what the expectations are and what the monetary return is going to be and what the outs are if nobody's happy after a while, right? All of that stuff got fixed then. But the biggest return on failure for me was at the beginning of the pandemic. My business got cut in half in one week. I wasn't doing great, but we had built up to a, to a place where I was comfortable. I'd made more than I'd ever made in the radio business. I was like, this is working well. And overnight, well, not overnight in one week from Monday to Friday, I lost half my clients. Well, not half the clients, half the revenue. I kept a handful of clients that were, that were the lower paying clients, honestly, but I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was literally like, I mean, are we going to have to declare bankruptcy? Like, uh, can I, I can't do unemployment because I'm not, I haven't been paying unemployment taxes. You know, I'm a self-employed person for years now. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I ended up getting a part-time gig at the radio station to kind of fill the holes. I reached out to a handful of the clients that had been working with me for a long time that I, that I knew, you know, I built a trusted reputation with. I upped a couple of my um, rates. I had some older clients that had been around for a long time. I said, Hey, look, I really need to raise these rates. And they were super willing. Those those people worked well. But the biggest thing was I leaned into a few fairly more recent additions Phil Treadwell and Dustin Brome, two guys. Phil's in the mortgage space. He hosts the Mortgage Marketing uh, Expert podcast. Dustin Brome's a real estate guy. He hosts the Massive Agent podcast. And I said, Fellas, you've given me a couple of referrals. You've said you got referrals in your pocket. I need all of them. But I was just very frank with them. I was like, my business, I'm cutting half over here. I'm bleeding. Help me stop. Help me stop the bleeding. Help me patch the wounds here. And they did that. You know, it was two or three here and two or three there. And, and then they connected me with folks like Kyle Draper, who Kyle has become this just freaking furnace of referrals. He's, he's just throwing them off all the time. Although he and I had a conversation the other day, he says, I'm very cautious not to send somebody to you until I feel like they're actually ready to make a move. Cause I don't want you wasting your time, you know? And I was like, man, I appreciate that so much. But what, what I learned through all of that, the two biggest lessons, first and foremost, I have to not be hobbyist focused in the beginning. I had lots of friends in the podcast space because I had gone to these conferences. I did shows personally for fun. I knew a bunch of people who did personally shows for fun. Hey, I host a trivia show. Hey, I host a show about my local city. Hey, I host a show about, you know, a sports team. I host a show about this TV show, whatever. I worked for a lot of those people. Um, I still work for a few, but The ones that I still work for trivia show named Trivial Warfare, a a show about his local town called Beyond Bourbon Street. Trivial Warfare is hosted by a guy named Jonathan Oaks, who now owns the Oaks Media Group. He's got like five or six podcasts that are trivia focused under his umbrella. He sells a a daily trivia calendar every year to, you know, a huge boom. He's got a job still, but he's like, "How, how, how? I need to get out yeah. of this thing at some point because I'm wasting my time here versus the show that I've ramped up. Same thing with Beyond Bourbon Street. He's got a full time gig, a great one, but he's now built his show through Patreon support. He wrote a book, which has a, a, been a bestseller. It's, it's done very well for him uh, Beyond Bourbon Street, the travel guide to New Orleans. Sure. If you're interested in, in visiting, uh, go yeah. look that up. But those folks, I'm part of their business. I'm not just. Uh, disposable income. I'm part of their marketing budget. I'm part of the way, the infrastructure that they've built that allows them to continue to create this content, which they're now being paid for. In your case, you've got coaching, consultation, you're planning an academy, et cetera, et cetera. These are your revenue sources. The podcast is top of funnel content, brand extension and expansion, right? All of that is business expense. I'm a write-off it's easy for you to justify me, even if the economy falls. But you understand,
1: like my right? hard part now. that I'm running into the most is like monetary when, when, for example, you know, like if somebody came on and I use them as a sponsor of the show, right? And I'm like, man, yeah, but it would have to be right for me. It's not like I would just do it for funsies. You know, I, I, Carrie and I, my wife talk about this a lot because it's like, how much more could I do with this show? How much more content could I put out? How much more time could I allot to this if this was the case? Because I would tell you, you know, like if somebody came on as a sponsor of the show and paid me a good amount of money, and I say good amount meaning whatever it is, X to be the title host of the show or title sponsor of the show, whatever. But now the more I've thought about it, it's like I would love to have that, but my stuff's gonna be the title sponsor of the show.
0: So that's the that's the number one thing that I tell I tell clients. A lot of clients assume Hey, um, you know, once we get this up and running, I'm going to bring on a sponsor and I'll pay your fees. I'll pay at least I'll cover all of my production costs. Right. Maybe I'll pay myself a little. bit That was my goal. Time. Maybe yeah. I'll just do this for funsies. But what, what you don't realize, the number one way is just what you're doing. Direct sales, brand expansion, brand extension, et cetera, et cetera. The second way is networking, building new connections and relationships through the people that are on your podcast to the people that listen to it. People reach out to you and say, Mike, I want to work with you. Mike, can I, can I buy some coaching time? Mike, can can I get on your calendar for what, what would it cost for me to get an hour of your time to break down this one problem for me? All those sorts of things come up when you've got a podcast, or you can reach out to a potential partner and say, Hey, come on the show. Let's talk about your business. Then at the end of the conversation, you say, Hey man, I think there's some synergies here. Let's connect. And let me ask you about X or Y or Z now, because you, they know you, you've shown them over the last hour, how much you know about them and appreciate them and like the work that they're doing. You've shown how you align with them in your presentation on the podcast. So that's the, that's the third way. And then finally, after that, I would say is sponsorships and, and, uh, you know, partnerships, I I like to think about partnerships instead of sponsorships, because just as you said, you and your products, your service should always be the title sponsor. But the content that you're providing probably has value for all sorts of folks. If you can find a company, a corporation, a business, a brand that is not a competitor – but somebody that you work with, perhaps a supplier, uh, uh, an adjacent industry that you refer back and forth to, you might can go to them and say, I'm creating this content already. We're up and running. We're going to do more of it. It occurs to me, you might find value in this for your own customers, clients, listeners, viewers, et cetera, right? Would would it be worth X to you to put this show up on your website, to send it out in your newsletters, to put it on your social media feeds? Obviously, you don't have to create the content. You don't have to think of the topics. You don't have to spend the time doing it, right? So you're provide, you, the host of this show, is providing a big service for whatever partner you might bring that podcast to. So I I absolutely think that's a possibility. I think more people need to explore that type of idea. But that's like fourth, fifth, sixth down on the list. Top of the list is what do you do? How do you make money? And how can we point people to that through the show?
1: For sure, man. Yeah, listen... I, Man, we're killing it. I,
0: we could you know. do this all day. We, maybe we should just start a uh, weekly podcast. I'm in.
1: <laughs> you just let me know. I mean, we could sit out here and just chop it up. I mean, you know, like I said, this is this is the longest episode we've done this year, obviously. But the truth of the matter is, is I also feel like it might be the most necessary. And you know,
0: well, I'm I'm gonna cut it down. We'll be so picky. Yeah, like, like we're in an hour twenty.
1: An hour? When you hear it, it'll be fifteen minutes. So it'll be incredible.
0: <laughs> I don't know about that, <laughs> <laughs> Mike. Thank you, for, man, so much for the time. Thank you for being sure, on bro. the show. Thank you for coming yeah. on mine as well. I'm super excited for people to listen to this. And listen, even if you're if you're a podcasting fan or you're you're, you're from my world, but you hear Mike, folks, of all and, and listen, Mike, I wouldn't tell anybody else this. I'm I'm glad it's just you and me right. hearing this. Of all my clients. Your show, Mike, is the most directly applicable to me because it doesn't matter the industry that you're in, the lessons that your your guests are sharing, the advice and the information, the problems that you all are discussing and talking through, they're applicable to, again, to anybody who's making money doing anything or anybody who's just trying to lead a family or an organization, period. Like, folks, go listen to the show. Hey, it's man, I business.
1: really do appreciate that, bro. Because, like, I will tell you that's the goal. You know, put it out there, add the value. Hopefully somebody takes away some. I do get a tremendous amount of feedback, you know, and I, and I love it, man. So it's been it's been really good.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for your time. And, and uh, you can, if you're listening to Mike's show and you you dig what I'm doing, check me out. Always listening. You can find me in all the podcast apps or just go visit joelsharpton.com. There are links there as
1: well. I've been a terrible host this time. I have not asked you any of those questions that I normally ask my regular guest of where we can find you at. Obviously they will be in the show notes, but yeah, I'll make sure to
0: put all my links there. (laughs) Joel
1: will make sure to load every single minute of this episode into the show notes, but you know, honestly, man, I'm I'm grateful for you. You've been a tremendous asset to my brand, to to me personally as a friend, to be able to give me the insight that you have. I, I value it beyond belief. And so thank you for doing the time, you know, doing the show, having the time with me today has been fun and stuff like that. So I really do appreciate you, bro.
0: Awesome, man. You have a great one. Thanks everybody. All
1: right, I'm gonna go on here and I'm gonna give my last part of following us on uh, you know, Apple Podcasts and all that good stuff. But you know, the truth of the matter is, guys, really honestly. The first 12 episodes has been a tremendous blessing, honestly. And I'm grateful and thankful for people taking the time and listening to the show. And and I know how valuable time is, like we talked about today. I'm grateful for that time. I know the time that it takes to listen to the show is you know, 30 minutes or an hour or whatever it is. But I do value that time. So if you love us, follow us over on Apple and and Spotify. And we'd love to have you uh, leave a comment or a review. So thanks so much. We'll see you next week, an episode of Journey of Business.
0: To continue your journey of business, subscribe to the show wherever you find podcasts or at YouTube. And for more information on consulting inquiries, go to www.tradelinksales.com.